And welcome to Sunday Coffee. Bulldogs have won the first two this weekend against Eastern Michigan. Did it on Friday night kind of easily, 14 to nothing. And then yesterday, walked it off again. A 4-1 win on a three-run home run by Logan Tanner. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield here in downtown Starkville. And, Charlie, I'll tell you what, man, it's uh, it's crazy how this team, and we'll talk about it later on, it's, it's amazing how this team kind of has poise late in games, and you saw it again yesterday in the ninth inning. We talked about the, the walk-off grand slam from Luke Hancock a couple of weeks ago, and it was almost the same script yesterday where it's not just the home run, it's how you start the inning, and it's a lot of guys leading up to that point. A veteran at bat by Tanner Allen. He was a guy that broke up the no-hitter earlier, and then if you look, if, if you have to start an inning down a run needing to score – you want a veteran up there, and there's no better guy to have than Tanner Allen, but he takes the ball right back up the middle. And again, how many times have we seen Tanner Allen have at-bats this year that were important, that made a difference, that weren't hero swings? And what I mean by that, going up the middle, going the other way, not trying to pull it into the outfield and right field, just doing a job, getting on base. And once he got on base, you just had a feeling. So dogs walk it off yesterday 4-1 to one, and have won the first two against Eastern Michigan. Okay, Charlie, so going into the weekend, the hot-button topic was starting rotation. Christian McLeod on Friday, yesterday Eric Sarantola. Both of those guys came out and pitched extremely well. So let's take them one at a time. Let's talk about the Friday game with McLeod because as compared to Sarantola, McLeod had been a little better. He was bad last week against Kent State, didn't get out of the second inning. But he comes back, goes five innings, gives up one hit, strikes out 11, and walks one. And the thing that he did, he used his fastball to get ahead early. And then we started seeing him throw his breaking pitch for strikes as well. I thought McLeod did a really nice job in that ball game. Here's the thing that stood out to me is you know, when you talk about setting the tone, he struck out the first seven batters he faced. He struck out eight of the first nine batters he faced. What was the issue that Chris Lamonis talked about last Friday night with Christian McLeod? He's trying to be too fine. He came at hitters on Friday. You talk about establishing the fastball. He wasn't trying to nibble at the corners. He was getting swings and misses. Very rarely, I think, out of the, the first eight strikeouts, only three were looking. So you had five swinging. He was getting action, getting ahead, but he was pounding the zone. It's not a situation where I'm trying to throw it to a string down and away. No, he was coming after guys, and I think that's kind of what Chris Lamontis wanted to see. And ultimately, look, let's be honest, Eastern Michigan, as far as a hitting team, isn't like anything we're going to face in the SEC or in many midweek games, quite candidly. It was the perfect setup to be able to come in and remind yourself that your stuff is good enough. But I go back, and you you talked about this, so let's look at this. First inning starts the first hitter with a strike, second hitter with a strike, third hitter with a strike. Comes back in the second, starts another guy with a strike. And so I thought if you go back and you look, you know, in the third starts every hitter with a strike. Ultimately, I thought the thing that he did was get ahead. And then even when he didn't, he figured out a way to – to bounce back from it. I thought McLeod was what you needed to see. And look, let's be honest, these guys aren't in a position to having to go seven innings. We don't need them to go eight innings, even in a conference game. But you need good five. As good as you think your bullpen is, you need a good five innings. And you got that out of McLeod. And hopefully, he now has kind of some confidence to go forward. 
you know, Chris Lamonis actually said that a little bit after the game yesterday about kind of letting those guys know, I don't have to have you going deep into games. We've got a bullpen. We just need good quality starts. We're not asking you to do too much. Here's the thing, Charlie, and we see it in baseball a lot, especially early in seasons. And I'm not saying it's McLeod or Sarantola. Okay, I'm not telling you about specifics. I'm just saying in generalities right here. Sometimes these guys, especially in a draft year, what they hear in the offseason is what's in the mind of scouts. Hey, you need to work on your slider. You need to work on your changeup. You need to work on this. You need to work on that. Sometimes it takes that slow start for a pitching coach and for a head coach to have the ability to walk in there and say, let me tell you something. It's all about us right now. It's all about establishing the zone. And like I said, I'm not saying this about McLeod or Sarantola, but I know it happens. Sometimes you just have to channel out the noise about what's going on away from the field. Yeah, I think it happens all the time. It happens with hitters, too. What's the classic way? You see guys trying to hit more home runs. You see guys doing things that just right now aren't winning baseball. They may be things that elevate your draft profile, but you need guys who are going to buy into the system. And again, let me be clear, no knock against either one of these guys. I don't know if that's the case or not. But I think when you get too hung up on what's my velocity as opposed to what's my performance, it can really cause difficulties. Hey, and I've seen hitters. and I've seen hitters in the past get upset when you come to the plate, you're pressing, you're in a draft year, and you sit there and get mad at a coach because he calls for a hit and run. I've seen that before. And so, but at the end of the day, it's what's best for you in that situation if you want to play good team baseball. So, at the end of the day, I thought going back to Friday and yesterday, our pitching was solid. Brandon Smith has been so good coming out of the bullpen for us. And you kind of figure that if somebody trips up and slips up, he's your next guy in. Yeah, and you still got Bednar. You've still got all sorts of arms sitting there behind him. Carlisle Kessler pitched well yesterday. Let's talk about Sarantola a minute. We said going into the broadcast that the key for Sarantola was going to be get ahead with his fastball and then to just, as you say, kind of channel out some of that noise, leave it aside. Look, Eric Sarantola is not an idiot. He knows he hasn't been pitching great. He knows that people are clamoring wanting somebody else to pitch on that Saturday game. I thought yesterday, if you go back and look at it, was probably as much pressure as he's had in any start because I think – you know, kind of reading between the lines, you, you feel like his spot in the rotation was kind of on the line. And he came out, and I thought, first inning, he had to get through it, right? Uh, he hit a couple of guys, did get a double play ball that helped him. But the thing that I thought he got better doing was, remember early in that ball game, when he throws a ball, he's kind of talking to himself. He hits a guy, and he, you could tell he's frustrated. I thought after the first inning, he looked better. And even after the home run, he goes back to throwing strikes. He didn't get wild. Didn't walk anybody, I don't think. No, no walks. You know, hit those two batters in the first inning and then retired seven in a row. He got out of that first inning with a ground ball, retired the side in the second, struck out the side in the third, and then at the end of the day, he gives up one hit. It's a guy who takes an outside fastball the other way that gets it out of the ballpark. It's 350 where he hit it out. It gets out by a foot. I, I am not challenging a pitcher on that pitch because it was not a terrible pitch. He looked like he was more comfortable in the second through the fifth inning yesterday, and it looked like he was having fun, and he said that after the game. He said, you know what, I I was having fun out there. This is supposed to be a fun game. 
and, and you cannot allow the pressures to get to you. And I think the the pressures were beginning to get to to Eric Sarantola a little bit. But he said after the game, "Hey, I, I had fun out there the second through the fifth, and that's what you need to have. You need to have a guy out there on the mound that's shoving it and having fun doing it." So here's one other thing I'd like to say about our pitching, and that is this. You know, there are some really good examples of guys on that staff who know how to play team baseball. And I, I want to tip my hat to Carlisle Kessler a minute. I've said before, I think it is very, very difficult as a pitcher to come into a ball game when you're losing. You know, it's easy when you've got a 5-3 lead and you're being called upon to hold the lead or being called upon to save the game. It's tougher when you come in down one or two and the, the mission is don't let them get further ahead. You know, it's just there's something about pitching behind that takes, candidly, a little bit of, of guts and, and a little bit of character. Kessler was really good when Mississippi State needed him yesterday, keeping that at a one-run ball game. Otherwise, none of that in the ninth ever comes about. He goes three innings yesterday. No runs, one hit, two strikeouts, no walks. And the thing he was able to do, he worked around a guy – he worked around a situation in the seventh inning with a one-out infield single, got out of that easily. Go back to the guy before him, Cam Tuller, coming in with a runner at third base. you got to get an out right here. you got a guy at third base, and there's two outs in the inning. You go Tuller left on left with Taylor Hopkins, the guy that's hit the home run already, and he's able to coax that fly ball to get out of the inning. That was a big at bat because – Charlie, we talk about it all the time. There is a huge difference late in games between a two-run deficit and a one-run deficit. And to keep it one to nothing yesterday was so large. And that's a really good point you bring up right there because Sarantola, with the five innings of work and the five strikeouts and no walks, he was good. But if it's not one to nothing, you don't know what happens at the very end. Let's look back at the game on Friday night in the bullpen. We were good in the bullpen as well. We'd gone 36 consecutive innings before the game yesterday. And then you go into the fourth inning, so it's like 39 and a third work that that you have scoreless innings. Friday night, McLeod was good, but also the backside of the bullpen to just kind of hold it where it was. We talk about Brandon Smith. But then Parker Stinnett late, you get an inning of work for Spencer Price. Of course, it's easier to pitch when you got big leads. And then offensively, you had a really good night at the plate when you – Pound out 14 runs, 14 hits, and, man, poor Eastern Michigan could not throw a strike in that six-run bottom of the eighth inning. So that was a good win to get everything going. Then yesterday, Charlie, here's what I want to talk about. Well, I'm going to jump in before you do. Brandon Smith pitched an inning on Friday in a ball game that's well in hand. Surprise you at all? I could go both ways with it. One is, you know, he's one of your big-time guys out of the bullpen. But two, what are you looking at next week in the midweek? You've got Tuesday night against Sanford. I wasn't surprised to see us use him on Friday with the plan of possibly coming back and using him again on Tuesday against Sanford because Sanford is going to have a higher RPI than Eastern Michigan. Tuesday night's game, I hate to say it like this because it's a midweek, but I think Tuesday night's game is a big game, and I think that's one of the things you have to think about. It's not just about what these three games are, what you got in the midweek next week too. I would not be surprised, and I think that that may have been the plan of – if we're going to give him work this weekend, it has to be on Friday to be able to bring him back on Tuesday. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does because you've got to start lining it up. And that's the thing. We have this idea sometimes that midweek games count less than weekend, but it's just not true. 
this was a weekend where you don't need to lose because you don't need the low RPI losses. But all of a sudden, you roll in against Sanford, and that's when you need to win just because it's a win that helps you. I don't know if that makes – if you understand yes, the absolutely. I'm trying to get at. But you can afford to lose to Sanford. You just love to get those RPI wins, and that's going to be a, a competent team. And that's why I go back to the point. I know it was big to beat Tulane. Of course, if you lose that game against Tulane on Saturday, uh, in the Saturday game, you lose two out of three of the series. But I would argue the point that yesterday's comeback win – Maybe big in the long run, maybe bigger than some of those walk-offs against Tulane from an RPI standpoint, because I don't think Eastern Michigan's going to be, you know, sub two hundred in the RPI. Yeah, you cannot afford to to lose a game to them. Okay, let me ask you this question: Just looking at this at ten thousand feet, and looking back that first weekend against Russell Smith of TCU, then the second weekend against Brandon Oltoff, and then you know last weekend against Kent State, Luke Albright in the Saturday game. You know, those are the aces. And then all of a sudden, Justin Mice comes out. You've had a weekend, had one game in each of the first four weekends where the offense has really struggled. Before you dive down in, and I know this is not apples to apples, does that concern you at all? At some level, yes. Obviously, anytime you have a ball game a weekend where you're not performing at a high level, it's going to cause some concern. Yesterday was different. If you go back and you look at Braden Oltoff, he's a legit guy. I mean, he is a legit top of his league and could be in the SEC. He would be a really good pitcher. Agreed? I agree. And Albright, too. That's a guy who's in the top 100 in terms of draft prospects. Now, Mice yesterday, first of all, let me say this. you got to tip your hat to that guy. And one of the things I like about being a Mississippi State fan is – that historically we have been able as a fan base to look at an opponent who comes in and plays well and to say he played well. You know, we can tip our hat to an opponent and that guy deserves a, a stadium full of hat tips. And he, he got a standing ovation yesterday and it was much deserved. He pitched. I mean, he pitched really well. Now, this is a guy, let's be fair, right? He's a guy with a career ERA over six. Uh, it's six and a half. He is not... Albright, he is not Oltoff. Now, what he was was a guy who kept it down in the zone. He pitched to contact. That's why his pitch count stayed so low. But if you go back and look, we weren't swinging and missing on him a bunch. No, we didn't foul. Hey, we didn't foul many balls off. That's how you don't get pitch count is you didn't have many foul balls. Every ball that you swung at, you hit and you put into play. You know what the guy looked like to me yesterday? He looked like Kendall Graveman to me. He looked like Ross Mitchell to me. He's a guy that, you know, but he, you know, he threw 90. He threw, throws harder than Ross. But he throws 89, 90, a lot like Kendall. Kendall got 19 ground ball outs in Baton Rouge in 2012 in a Sunday game. That's what yesterday looked like to me is guy getting late action, throwing strikes, getting ahead, and just the other team just beats it in the ground. And I'd venture to say that, Charlie, yesterday is probably – as frustrating, is probably not as frustrating as seeing a soft toss lefty, but it's up there. Because every time you go back to the dugout, you're sitting there saying, why are we not hitting this guy? Why are we not doing it? But he just goes out there and he's just feeding. He was 0-2 all day yesterday. 1-2, 0-2 all day. And you look at, in terms of getting ahead, what that resulted in. You go to the first inning. Three pitches to DeBrule, two to Jordan five to Tanner Allen, roll on to the second. It's the same thing. He's two pitches, ground ball, three pitches, ground ball. As you kind of roll through the innings, what you see is 
a lot of very quick, early ground ball outs for Mississippi State. He just never ran up his pitch count. Think back to the games that we've had where we've talked about, wow, that was a 10-pitch at bat by Luke Hancock. What a what a job of fighting off pitches. There was none of that. I, I don't remember a single at bat yesterday that went deep into the count because we were working the at bat, because we were fouling balls off. If it went deep in the count, it was just because somebody didn't throw strikes. Yeah, and I, I go back to the point of we didn't have any foul balls. I mean, everything that was swung was squared. Or, you know, not squared, but hit on the ground and put in play. And he located, you know, he did okay locating. Now, you know, swinging at first pitches and you know, popping balls in the ground. I mean, that was – we did that several times where he had some innings where he would get to the third batter and he's only thrown, you know, four or five pitches in the entire inning. But, you know, it's, it's real easy to be a fan there, right? Because how many years did we sit here saying – we don't swing in enough first pitch strikes. We take too many pitches. We take too many pitches. And then you come out and you swing at a bunch of first pitch strikes and you pound them straight into the turf. And it's, well, we're not being selective. No. You know, I, look, for whatever reason, I don't know if he had some sink on it. We just couldn't get on top of anything he threw yesterday. Now, the one guy who was getting under balls was Logan Tanner. Yeah. And that's why I was, I said on the broadcast late that. He was the guy that you would want up right there. And somebody could easily say, why on earth don't you want Luke Hancock up there? Why wouldn't you rather have Tanner Allen? Because in that situation where you've got nobody out and you've got a runner on third, he was the one guy all day long who was getting lift who you didn't feel like was going to ground out to the first baseman. No, and that's that's the thing. Hey, that guy, Mice, he's going to remember that day for the rest of his life. He got ground balls. He got some double plays. He really pitched it well. But let's go back to, to the very end. And like you talk about in that inning, the leadoff single by Tanner Allen. And then Cameron James, you're in the part of the order where you where you can't bunt. If if this happens, if Brad Cumbus leads off the inning and you've got Lane Forsyth at the plate with the, the leadoff guy on, you may probably think about bunting. But you're not bunting in that situation. you got Cameron James up there. He gets hit by the pitch. With two strikes. 0-2 count. That to me, to to me, that's one of the biggest pitches. And then Hancock comes to the plate, and Charlie, you may be may completely disagree with this because baseball changes so much. I thought when Cameron James was hit, the game was over. I thought when he went to first, this is not going to end well from the guys from Green. I agree. And again, if you've got a big at bat in a ball game, Tanner Allen, Hancock, you'd love to have those guys up there. And Another job of just getting a ball down the right field line. And you notice the other thing Hancock did? So Hancock did not try to be a hero and get to second base. No. All right. He had tied up the game. His run means nothing. His run is meaningless. And the worst thing you can do is get an out trying to get to second base right there. He rounded third and he walked right back. Excuse me, rounded first and he walked right back to the bag. Absolutely. A guy that's not thinking about himself. Because like you said, Charlie, you get thrown out in second base right there, everything may change a little bit. But understanding that your run doesn't mean anything was so big. Then Logan Tanner comes up. He gets a breaking ball hung, hits it out of the ballpark, gets the home run. We win 4-1. to one. I look back at, you know, sometimes you hate to lose more than you love to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yesterday was one of those guys, one of those days where you would have really hated to lose. Okay, so looking ahead and looking to today, Jackson Fristo last week 
was simply outstanding through six innings of work. Eastern Michigan, you kind of wonder what they've got. They've got TBA listed about who they're going to pitch. They haven't named a starter yet. Are you looking for Fresno to do the exact same thing? Are you looking for the carbon copy to go out and just establish with fastballs and not try to do too much? Yes. I, I think it's a, a situation where the worst thing that can happen for Mississippi State is just for a guy like Fristo to go out today and struggle with control because you don't need to plant that in his mindset. I think the thing you want to do is go out and throw strikes because if you do, look, Eastern Michigan's not going to run five balls out of the yard. Now, having said that, Eastern Michigan will run five balls out of the yard. My Twitter account will melt the, down by this afternoon. What's the win save for the for the day? I don't know. <laughs> but the ballpark has not played very small this weekend. Well, it did yesterday. The home run the other way. I didn't think Logan Tanner's ball, I mean, it was hit okay. But I just certainly didn't think that ball the opposite field. There was no wind at the ballpark yesterday. No, I, I kind of thought Logan Tanner's ball would kind of one-hop to the wall. Yeah, off the bat. But – at the end, it doesn't matter, right? It's just a, a stat. How about this, though? We talked about this during the broadcast yesterday. That's going to be a guy that hits home runs. He's got power, but he had one extra base hit coming into that game yesterday. Yeah, and he had like 12 hits. He had like 12 hits, 11 singles, and one double. And he hits the ball hard. Yeah, he hits the ball hard. And so it's all about swing playing. We talked about that with Rafael last week. <laughs> <laughs> launch angle. Launch angle. No, that no, was no, good no, no. to talk to Raphael last week. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that uh, on uh, Thursday on our Out of Left Field show. We talked to Chris Lamonis about this coming weekend and about where his team was. And we also talked to Raphael Palmero and got some, some hitting takes. And thinking back to that conversation with Chris Lamonis in the Thursday show, he brought up a point. I guess we have to bring it up, and that's Landon Jordan. He says, hey, you know, moving Forsyth out to shortstop and moving – Cameron James to third. He's I got to figure out some ways to get you know Landon Jordan in the lineup somehow, some way. Landon Jordan leaving the team. He's left the team, no longer with it. And I can understand. I can understand the frustration of a Landon Jordan. I also understand where Chris Lamonis is coming from because he has to have some right-handed hitters in the lineup. Yeah. So the frustration, if you're Landon Jordan, you feel like you lose your position not because of something you did but because the Bulldogs decided they had to move Cameron James offshore and they had to get Forsyth in there. And so, you know, if I'm 20 years old, I'm probably saying, well, wait a minute, I hadn't done anything wrong, leave my spot alone. But I think you hit the exact thing on the head. This lineup has been so left-handed dominant. you got to have the right-handed bat. You're not taking Cameron James out of the lineup. You just can't. I mean, he's one of your better hitters right now. And so it, it just happens in the shuffle. Even though I understand the frustration – you hate to see somebody make a decision to walk away from what I think is going to be a really fun year of baseball when you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if somebody's going to come up lame. You don't know if somebody's going to get hit by a pitch and miss a few games. You don't know when your time is going to come. And I think the one thing that my message to anybody on that team would be if I were speaking to them is, if there is anything that Chris Lamonis has shown, it is a willingness to change his mind, a willingness to adjust, a willingness to let guys play themselves into the lineup. And I, I think it's just an unfortunate decision here early in the season. All right, later today, 1 o'clock start, Jackson Fristo going to tow the rubber. Bulldogs going to go for the sweep against Eastern Michigan. And, of course, we're brought to you by our friends at Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford, 
perfect place if you're looking for a new or used car. If you need any kind of service, their service department is renowned. If you have a dent in the fender, if your significant other tries to pull around one of those uh, iron metal things that guards the gas pumps and then uh, knocks your uh, car off kilter, I don't think that's ever happened to me. If Jen's listening, I don't think it's happened. Go to the body shop at Cannon Ford. So Cannon Ford bringing you our Sunday coffee. And so, Charlie, hey, yesterday was fun. It's always fun to walk it off and win. And uh, hopefully uh, today will be a little bit easier than what we had yesterday. Well, I hope that the team is not as tired from springing forward as I am. That springing forward gets to me. It does me too. I love it when it happens. But I'd say let's just lock it in and roll. I like it in the afternoons. I love it in the afternoons. But the first few mornings, this it kills me. It killed me this morning, and so I, I just feel like it's I feel like it's five o'clock in the morning right now. Can I give you one last thing, Bart, that I, I would like to see today? I would love to hear it. I think that one of the problems you typically have with baseball teams is that it is very easy to play down to your competition or to not give enough respect to an opposing pitcher. What I mean by that is guys sometimes, if they're not facing an SEC pitcher, tend to think, well, who is this guy? But if you pull up the major leagues and you start going through there, there's a whole lot of guys who pitched at Duquesne or Des Moines, Iowa. There's guys pitched in junior colleges that you've never heard of. There's guys who never pitched in college. There's a ton of mid-major guys. I think today we're going to see a team that is better focused at the plate and that candidly just gives a little bit more respect to opposing pitchers. You buying that? Oh, I'm buying it, no doubt. Absolutely I'm buying it because, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys that are not named guys. That's the thing about pro baseball, man. They take so many guys in the rounds. The scouting is so good. There are nobody, there's nobody going under the radar anymore. Well, and there's and- just so many guys out there. There are so many kids now that can light it up and – there's only so many spots in the SEC. I mean, there's just there are really good players in baseball and college baseball at the mid-major level. I think back to our conversation with Ron Polk, and he's talking about, you know, I get a call and somebody says, hey, we've got this great catcher. Well, I don't need him. I've already got two. But he's really good. Great, but I don't have anywhere to put him. That same thing is happening to pitchers. And just because you're at Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Kent State, what have you, that doesn't mean that you're not going to face a good arm on the mound. And But it is still, I think, just kind of gets in your head, particularly after you score 14 runs, this idea that we're going to come out there the next day and do it again. I think we're going to see a better focused team today. We talked the other night because we're cantankerous now about the things we don't like to hear. One of the things I don't like to hear in baseball is, man, I wish we would have saved some of those runs. <laughs> I hate that adage. Anyway, um, dogs. I'm glad to know that. I'm going to file that away. Eastern Michigan. Yeah, file that away. Eastern Michigan and State today at 1 o'clock. So, Charlie and I will be there on the tube. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee. And hopefully you'll hang out with us later this afternoon as Mississippi State takes on the Eagles of Eastern Michigan. Appreciate you listening.